You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Oh no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Happy birthday, Grump! Hmm. I wish we we had a better present for you than the... uh, turd sandwich we were delivered last night but uh here we are another year older and another year further removed from the giants ever being any good (laughs) it sucks well it's one of those facts of life you know as you get older your birthday presents become you know less and less glamorous uh so you know you start you start your birthday off coming with a one of the more embarrassing losses in the last couple years i would say but um an, an understood one i would say um, not one I had high expectations of winning. But then, you know, as your birthday goes on for the day, you can see some changes being made within the Giants organization. So, uh, you know, all in all, a push, I guess. Depends on how you look at it, I guess. You know, you said it was, a, it was an embarrassing win, yes, embarrassing loss yesterday. And to me, you know, obviously I, I've been – I'm trying to spend my vacation on the beach and relaxing and, you know – enjoying a Mai Tai or a pina colada. Instead, between the firings with the Gators and now this issue with Garrett, I've spent my entire vacation on my phone, following Twitter, responding to, to people and things. And it's not the most carefree vacation I was planning on. Yeah, I didn't expect to have two major firings like this. But uh, I, I really feel like this loss, and I, again, we did lose to uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks in, in a game that's the defending know, Super Bowl me, champs. Let's just, right, and it's also going to make Trump and I a little lighter in the wallet too from this with the rivalry game. But to me, that the loss and the firing of Garrett, at least from Giants Twitter, we're going to get into a lot of this during the show, just shows me where this fan base is at, and I think that just the lack of understanding of what the major problems are at this team. I mean, people were. You know, from the second the game was over until the time he was fired, we're demanding Garrett. You know, this is Garrett's fault. All Garrett's fault. This offense sucks because of Garrett. This team is sucks because of Garrett. Their life sucked because of Garrett. And there was jubilation and, and glee. I, I heard the cheers 5,000 miles away from northern New Jersey when he got fired. But Jason Garrett's a symptom of a lot of uh, diseases on this team. And things aren't miraculously going to get better next Sunday against Philly and the rest of this season. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, as a fan base, we want red meat thrown to us. We want at least the perception of action happening. You know, in the NFL, the things you can change happen really offseason. Draft, trades, free agency, off, you know, uh, things like that. You can't make major changes in the regular season. Your team is what it is. Injuries erode your team. Uh, you know, but there's nothing to do to make it better. And to me, yeah, you can fire Jason Garrett, but you know, whether he's a, I think he's a scapegoat in this whole thing. I don't know if this is going to make the team, you know, I can see any real improvements on this offense going forward the rest of this year until this roster is fortified and gets healthy. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to not interject at all and just kind of, uh, you know, let you state your case here. So I'm just going to kind of dissect a couple of the and, things you said in there. Well, and I, just, I, I just want to say one thing before you get started. I am not defending Jason Garrett. I'm not a Jason Garrett supporter. I'm not his 
his brother. I, I could care less if he's the coach or not. I just think that everybody's uh, thing about him is misguided. Okay, so um, like I said, I'm not going to interject my opinion into any of this yet. I'm just going to kind of ask you a bunch of questions about the things you said. So the, mm-hmm. one of the things you said was that um, – well, well, I guess you, you were saying that the things that you can do for major changes for an organization mostly happens in the offseason. And, and I agree with that. You know, That's kind of one of the reasons why when people are like, we need to fire Dave Gettleman right now. It's like, well, I mean, why now? It's not like – who cares? He's not really doing a whole lot. And, you know, the arguments of like, oh, well, he's in charge of the trade deadline. It's like, well, I mean, if you don't want him to make a trade, you tell him we're not making that trade or, or whatever. If, you, if you're planning on firing him at the end of the year, you don't want him making trades. You can tell him that as the owner. That's fine. Well, the trade deadline's over. Well, now, I mean, but I mean, like, in general, people were saying that in the middle of the season, you know, and things like that. And I, I do – so – to a certain extent, I do agree with that. But if you have resolved at this point now that you are definitely sure that Jason Garrett is not going to be your offensive coordinator next year, but you're not sure how much turnover there needs to be. I need to know, um, for instance, what there is to know about Daniel Jones, what there is to know about Andrew Thomas, Kenny Galladay. I mean, a $72 million wide receiver that's done jack shit for us. You know, I think maybe, or I'm asking you, I guess, do you think that it's imperative to fire him now because you know he's not coming, but you don't want him back next year, but you want to know what you're doing with the rest of the roster? Because, I mean, you know, we did two episodes ago. I did an episode with you and an episode with Victor Perez, you know, looking at this roster and what the hell we're going to do next year with the cap situation the way it is. Would you say that if you were like, let's get him out of here, bring in somebody else, let's try running plays with maybe something else. I need plays run where I can view this roster and figure out what else needs to happen this offseason. Would you think that that's somewhat fair? Are there some credence to that a little bit? Well... It depends on why you're running the plays you're running right now. Okay. And I I am going to be in the very staunch camp that the injury situation to this offensive line, the varying degrees of injury from the playmakers on this team are either A, preventing this team from running their full playbook, or there's an over-concern about the injury to the offensive line that they're being conservative on purpose to either get their quarterback killed or have multiple turnovers, bad field position, et cetera. So I don't, uh, I don't necessarily see, you know, I, I think you can, if you want to do the philosophy, let's see what we can do. You could still do that with Jason Garrett. You don't need somebody to come in. He's not going to have a whole different offense coming in. Uh, you can tweak what you're doing to say, well, we're not going to, you know, wins and losses may not be important anymore as the rest of the season. Let's try a little wrinkles to see things. But I think, the evaluation of Daniel Jones, and this is going to be a big thing for mine. I've been fighting all day with people on Twitter. You cannot do an honest evaluation of Daniel Jones and what he is right now until you can protect him. You can keep him upright. You can keep him from throwing on his back foot because there's people up his ass every play. He has he has a running game he can work with. He has receivers that aren't injured or you know or for whatever reason. So I I, I don't buy that. What you basically what you're saying? Okay. Well, when you say. Um... So you said that um, because of the injuries in the offensive line, and I think everybody in the Giants 
who, who any any person on Twitter, any person in the stands for Giants fans, anybody who invests enough time in the in the Giants would all agree that the offensive line the way it is is not NFL standard, right? I mean, these are well, well, these are about three to four depth players, right? Do we do do we think that at least? I I believe that again. A lot of the people I was arguing with today are like, it is what it is. You have to scheme around it, and that's not the way it works. I don't I don't agree with that, but. Of course. I mean, it's, there is not a next man up mentality. You don't have 53 guys on the roster of equal um, experience, ability, talent, health, et cetera, et cetera. Or somebody goes down, well, next guy up, just do the same thing you do. Or, oh, this guy's not quite as good on the way down. The, the talent gap between an NFL starter and an NFL backup is significant. And then when you have a starting baseline of starters this team has, it's not so good to begin with. And you're basically getting guys off the street. Guys like Nate Solder, the only reason they're on this team is because it's sunk cost. That's not the way it works. You can't just scheme around it. I mean, you can have a combination of Vince Lombardi and Bill Belichick and Nick Saban rolled into one. You can't out-scheme talent. So, no. <laughs> Sorry, okay. guys. No, no, no. no. That's So, um, when you say either the offensive line is too bad or there's an over-concern that the offensive line is too bad. Where do you think that over-concern might be coming from? Do you think that's just Garrett? Do you think that's just Judge? Do you think how, – how does that extend in your opinion? I think it's Judge. And I think this all goes back to the over-conservatism of Joe Judge. I think and, I agree with you know, that. You know, something – and and by extension – and I said this. We had a long podcast where I talked about what's wrong with this team and being a 21st century team – Joe Judge is who he is. Joe Judge was selected by Dave Gettleman and, you know, by extension, by the ownership of this team. They like, you know, the old guard of what being a New York Giant is. You know, defense, run the ball, pound the rock, uh, cold weather, tough guys, hog mollies, all of that nonsense. So I think just have a conservative nature of a guy like Judge, he – you know, does not want to put his defense in bad positions. He, you know, has not fully embraced the analytics revolution of going forward on fourth down and not punting and all these different things like other coaches have. So I, I think that, you know, major decisions are made by Joe Judge and they are dictated to his coordinators on both sides of the ball. So when you say that, though, I think I agree with you. I think Joe Judge is the one who looks at this roster every day on the field. He spends plenty of time with the offensive line. You know, we know that. We know that much about him. He does spend time with the offensive line. It was the thing last year. He was very involved with Mark Colombo in meetings. That was what left to their led to their rift and him ultimately being let go. Um, but to me, when I where I think Joe Judge is with that is I do think that, like, the plan of attack still is left to the offensive and defensive coordinators. I think he agrees with them on what the philosophy is going to be for the game, right? We have a problem here. How are we going to neutralize it? And I think he just let... I don't think it's a blanket approval of their plans, but I think he listens to their plans and either okays or not okays them. And I think that since the injuries, we've seen pretty much the same kind of plan in terms of how they were dealing with the injuries in the offensive line, right? I mean, it hasn't been too different from game to game. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, I, in my opinion, what I think it is is that uh, Joe Judge is worried about a lack of a pass rusher on defense, and he is worried about, um, you know, lack of three to four-fifths of an offensive line, you know? Um, 
But I think the game plan and, and execution comes down to Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones and, and, and the offensive roster. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he's on there like, no, we need to do this, more rollouts, and, and we're going to zone read this. I don't think he's that level of involved with the play design and calling for the game, right? No, I don't think so. But I, but I do think he AOKs the plans given to him by his coordinator. So I'm not absolving Joe Judge of anything here. I think he's on board with the philosophy, and I think he OKs the game plans. Do you agree with that? I agree. Okay. I absolutely. Yeah. This is not a. Again, I think we've seen it a hundred thousand times for you know college and NFL teams where it goes up the ladder on the scapegoat and who gets thrown to the wolves before the ultimate final change happens. You know, things are not going well. Usually a coordinator gets – well, the first step is usually you might see a position coach go. Then it goes to the coordinator level. Then, you know, things are going bad. You know, the head coach gets canned. Ultimately, enough poor decisions are made and, and poor hires and the GM goes. So I think this is like this is the first step. And ultimately what's going to happen, we all feel there's going to be some major change in this offseason. And I think with this – I mean – the giant fan base is very vocal and very loud. You know, Twitter was erupting today, and that's just a small segment of the overall giant fan base. I can only imagine what the fan was like today. I can imagine what the letters to the editor are. I can imagine the letters that uh, Ron in Section 124 is writing to the, <laughs> to to, uh, to the mayors as we speak. I mean, they they, they are not toned down. They hear the noise, and a way to throw some red meat at the fan base, even if it's for a couple of weeks, is to you know, it's like uh, uh, Punch's pilot. You know, the crowd wanted Barbarous dead. They, you know, they wanted him released. You know, kill Jesus. So that's, you know, he did what the crowd wanted. And I think that's kind of what they're doing right now. Sorry, you know, biblical on you, but, you know. No, I think I agree with I, I do think that there's a percentage of this is uh, a, a throwing a bone to the fan base, I think. But it's not mm-hmm. just the fan base. I mean, it, look— Look, it's a, it's a bunch of the media too, even. Because, it's a, you know, it's he, a lot of the media. I mean, it's former players. We saw Des Bryant immediately call out the the only coach in his career. And I, I look, I hate Des Bryant, and I I don't want to like give too much credence to him trying to just make a name for himself on Twitter or whatever. Like he's just a loudmouth in general, and I don't think he's too intelligent either. But. I think it's. I think there's some level of something to it that the most successful he's ever been was under his, this coach, and he's still calling him out. I mean, it's it's still, you know, like I said, it's not just Twitter, and and you know, so yeah. But, but the, can Des Bryant tell me the exact depth chart right now of the Giants? Can you tell me things like that? No, no and, and he, and he wasn't that a, specific he's either. It, he's saying it as a fan. He's saying he, it as somebody who probably watched the Manning cast, who listens to that. Jackass Lewis Riddick just ramble on and on. I mean, the guy had a chubby in his pants watching his team be unsuccessful. You know, so again, narratives are formed by what you hear. And if you're not, you know, if you're not a super giant fan, if you're not one who, you know, not just besides reading the New York Daily News, you know, reads all the blogs and and listens to all the podcasts and, and is a knowledgeable, intelligent fan, you know, you're not going to just you're going to only hear the high the high level headlines. Yeah, so but I don't care what he says. That, that, that's fine, but I mean, like I said, my bigger point was that it's not just the dialed-in and enraged Giants fan that's saying this. I mean, it's it's Brian Baldinger. You know what I mean? It, it's they're, they're sheep. I don't. No, no, no. I don't think Brian Baldinger's a sheep. Come on, that's the that's media. he's more than media though. He is the most X's and O's guy there is. I mean, okay. So are you, are you referring to the one clip that was going around all day today of the one play where? 
God, Daniel Jones was throwing off his back foot and throwing into where three guys are in the exact same spot. Absolutely not, because to right. be honest, I was actually not on Twitter at all today. I mean, I I literally didn't even play with my phone until I got home from the gym at like 6.30. So uh, I, I actually don't know what you're talking about. I just mean in general for yeah. a stretch of time now, Brian Baldinger has been and uh, you know whatever you're talking about sounds like BS. I mean, I, I wouldn't refer yeah. to something like that. I mean, come on. Um, there was but, a, there was a, for, you know just to keep you updated. I'm sure most of you people have saw it today. There was one you know X's and O's thing that went around. It was the play where uh, Jones threw the pick, that horrible pick in, in the middle of the field. He's often it was an all 22 view looking down. Jones is you know a tremendous amount of pressure on him. You know off his back foot, just launches him over the middle, and there's like three receivers. Right there, bunched up with four or five. Um, yeah, I remember the play. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like you see. This is an example of the joke that's this offense. And it's like, do you think that a play was seriously run up by Jason Garrett <laughs> to say, "Okay, you three guys stand right here, and Daniel Jones, I want you to off your back foot throw across the middle." No, I mean. You can you can scheme all you want. It all comes down to execution. It comes down to knowing your assignments. It comes down to, you know, executing your blocks, being in the right place. You know, if somebody makes a mistake, that's not on Jason Garrett. That's on the players. And I think too often fans look at coaches as like controlling robots or chess pieces on a chessboard where they're just moving things around. And if you know you get jumped as well, that you know you didn't play that play right. Players got to play too. And to use that play is just like, well, that's the Jason Garrett offense, or that's why Daniel Jones sucks. Are we going to do that analysis on all 70 offensive plays in the game? You think they're all like that? I, I don't think so. Okay, all right. That, and, and that's absolutely fair. Um, so you were saying so, – so let's just stick with the offense and let's just list out in no particular order – Things that need to change to make this offense better, um, and, and be be specific. Like you're you're saying, players got to play right. I'm gonna call. I'll start us off, right? Okay. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, are you talking about to make us better for next week, or no, 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 in general, to, in in any stretch of time, in order to be better, these things need to change, right? Um, and yeah. I'll I'll start us off. I'm not giving Daniel Jones any passes. I mean, Daniel Jones has consistently this year looked good. He's 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 um. He's gotten better from year to year now, I can say definitively, in a lot of different ways. But he is still not executing as well as he should be. Um, you know, he had a couple of missed throws that were called out. And I'm, I didn't want to – slight sidebar. I did actually watch the Manning cast this time. Um, I had the original cast on. I didn't want to watch the Manning cast for a game I actually cared about and especially not one with Kevin Hart. Um, but within about 30 <laughs> seconds, I was getting frustrated as all hell with, with those jackals. And I really – I had to do it. I had to – I was like, let me just try and do it. Maybe – they're easier to tune out. And it's because like the game noise isn't it, – like there's dead air sometimes. It's really not that bad when the guest isn't annoying. Um, but yeah. anyway, but anyway, um, you know, the, Peyton Manning called out one where Daniel Jones just didn't wait for the play to develop. There was a there was an open guy in the end zone, and he he saw it too late, and then he just he just kind of overthrew Tony off, off to the side, whatever. I mean, I'll say it right now: Daniel Jones needs to start executing a little bit better, right? Okay, so that's one thing that needs to happen for this offense. What else? What else we got? The offensive line. Can I can, I, can we go back and forth? Like we'd say. One sure. Thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Jump right in. All right. 
I mean, the biggest thing to me is the the health of this offensive line and then upgrading the Tommy offensive line. I mean, I saw a quarterback that was running for his life the majority of the game. I saw a quarterback who was rattled. I saw a quarterback that, quite frankly, I called for late third quarter should have been probably benched. I agree. And not because not because he was playing so badly is because, you know, I don't like to use the Sam Darnold thing, but I, he was starting to see ghosts. He really was. You can tell he was completely rattled. And oh, I mean, it's not even that he was rattled so much. It's that the team was so one-dimensional at that point. Tampa Bay was just well, hitting him, you know? Well, that that's that's kind of going to my point about the offensive line, the health of it, where, yeah. you know, it, it's, we can't we can't run the ball. Why can't we run the ball? There's nowhere to run. Okay, hang we on. Can't, we, 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 we can't have a consistent intermediate to deep pass game. Why? There's not enough time consistently to throw. You can't count on it. So that to me is issue one with this offense. But and I think that predicates the play calling off of that. I think you have to kind of scrap things away from your playbook when you know you can't execute things. Um, now, when you say offensive line, is there anybody in particular you want to – like, do you want to point to a specific position or player? I mean, you don't have to. I'm well, just asking. Well, right. Oh, I will. And I said it. Uh, I, I, I called it. Will Hernandez is getting a bowel emptying, emptying fart for me for this game. Oof. That was he graphic. Was, <laughs> he, was, he, he was atrocious. He has been atrocious. He's regressed now for a couple of years. I mean, an offensive line that has guys like Nate Solder have to play, you, you're missing – Andrew Thomas, who's the cornerstone of your offensive line, misses a nice chunk of the season. Uh, you, you know, your, your starting center, who's your captain, is out for the year. All these things. You need a guy like Will Hernandez, who's up. Tell me if I'm wrong, Grump. Is he has the most tenure of anyone in this offensive line right now? On the offensive line, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He sucks. He's well, terrible. actually, him and Nate Solder, I think, are equal, but Nate Solder didn't play last year, so he I guess... Play, he, didn't, he didn't play last year, and he's basically... He was basically cut and, and kind of brought back because he, of... He's uh, not worth the uniform he wears. Exactly. But, you know, something, he is what he is. I, I get Will that. Hernandez, Will Hernandez gets the part because he's just playing not good. He's, he, he would be benched if there was... If this team had any depth on the offensive line... For somebody to challenge him in practice, challenge him in a game, that you'd sit him down and you'd have him replaced. So you're talking about individual guys right off the bat. Will Hernandez right now, I mean, makes Holder, we know what he is. He will not be back next year. End of story. He's that's that's a victim of the problems of the depth. Will Hernandez is not a, a a backup. He's not a guy we brought in to fill a hole because other people are hurt. He was drafted in what round? Second. Second round pick. So you can't blame Dave Gettleman for not investing in the offensive line. He was a Dave Gettleman pick, correct? Yep. Yeah, Dave Gettleman picked him. So you can't say, well, they didn't invest in the offensive line. They did. He's just failed miserably, getting worse and worse. Okay, if you want to give him a little bit of a pass because of how many offensive line coaches we've had and, and offensive coordinators, fine. But no, I mean, I, if I were to really give him— if I were to give him any pass for this year, it would be very, very slight, and it's because he's playing on the right side for the first time in his entire life. Um, that would be my my only pass for him because to me, a lot of his mistakes are the same things. It's missed stunts. Um, you know, it, it's missed stunts. He's not very good in the ground game, but he never really was. I think at his best, he's an average to below average starter. I, I still think like you know he sucks. 
But when I list out the five offensive line guys, to me, Nate Solder's the worst. And I know, whatever, we know that, fine. But I'm just—he was the starter for this game, so I'm just grading him based on how they're playing. Nate Solder is the worst. I think after that, I think Matt Skura is is pretty bad. I, I and you know he's that's, a, he's a scrub off the street. Agree, agree, agree. But um, you know, since we're talking about you know this game and this stretch of games now, I mean they they've been the starters for the longest portion of the season now. So depth though he may be, this is what we're dealing with this year, and this is sort of what we're uh, we're grading based on. But Matt Skura is pretty terrible. Um, Billy Price ain't great, but I think he is still. Um, worse than Will Hernandez. So for for me, um, well, that's that's saying something. If somebody who stands out, and again, I didn't watch the All Twenty Two. This is me watching. Me either. The I I haven't had the All Twenty Two yet. For, for someone standing out as being that bad, thinking that he's even worse. That again, the the problem with this offense, you know, and you can't evaluate anything else. Offensive coordinator, running game, Daniel Jones, anything. So I think one of the reasons why Will Hernandez stands out the most as being bad is because he and Andrew Thomas consistently get the least amount of help. And Andrew Thomas is frankly worthy of a top five pick. I, I, at least in my opinion now, after what has he played, like 16 games now, 17 games, to me, he's shown that he's worth a top five pick and the way he's grown. Because it's not just sporadically he's had good games. It's been better and better and better and better. And he played... Do we agree that he played well this game? The first time back after four weeks? I mean, I think he played admirably. I, th- I thought so too, yeah. So, you know, Will Hernandez, on the other hand, he doesn't get the same kind of help that Billy Price usually gets. He's usually got at least one guard helping him, sometimes a running back. Matt Skura's always got either a tackle or a center helping him. They always give help to the right side, whether it's Pert or, or Solder or whoever is over there. Will Hernandez, I mean, they trust him to try and win, and sometimes he doesn't because he is an average to below average starter. So, you know, I agree with you. Investments were made into this offensive line. I agree with you that he has not stepped up or or played up to his billing. Um, But I also think that the reason that he stands out more than these three other scrap heap players, and they are, Nate Solder, Matt Scarra, Billy Price, those guys should all be backups or retired. Um, it's, It's simply because he's put out on an island often enough um, but that's that's not an excuse but I you know, enough, just but just just to offer <laughs> yeah just to offer some yeah. context and in then, my own opinion and then there's Matt Pert who is just kind of like we knew when we drafted him was gonna be a project right and last year was a again a COVID year where the plans for the project were severely in, you know impaired and he's just not ready to start yet. Now, I think it's still to be determined if he can be a functional guy, a rotational guy in this offensive line, but it's too soon to tell yet. But again, an investment was made in him. So again, this is not trying to tie back to some sort of defensive day gentleman. We all know that there's a probably a 97% chance he's not going to be back next year. I'm not trying to do that, but it's not like they were, it was just left completely hoping that guys off the street would come in and play offensive line. They've tried to make upgrades to this. It's just due to injury, due to lack of performance, due to slowing development. It just hasn't worked. But all of that, again, it impacts everything else. It impacts your play calling. It it, it hurts your, your quarterback and his development and his execution. It hurts everything. So, again, it's another just big reason with you know why this is not just Jason Garrett's fault. 
Um, your turn. What's your next reason? Well, to, to piggyback off you with Matt Pear, I think I think we can consider it at least a loss on his part that I understand. I agree with you, right? We we knew he was a project, and sometimes projects take more than a year. That's fine, but I will say it's a failure on Matt Parrot's part that he's not better than Nate Solder yet. Great. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, sure. I don't know how anyone could argue with that. I mean, Nate Solder is mm-hmm. so bad that even a project at this point should be better than him, right? I mean, so, yeah, Jesus Christ. But, but but whose fault is that though? Is that do you blame it on on uh, the offensive coordinator? Do you blame that on the offensive line position coach? Do you blame that on the head coach? Do you blame it on the strength and conditioning coach? Do you blame it on the player? I, I, I put mean, all that. I put all that on the player. I, look, I, I agree with you because okay. players play. Well, players play, players but also themselves. Look, man, I, I know that I just spent time railing on Billy Price and Matt Skura, but like those guys came in here and in a couple of weeks, for better or worse, earned starting spots. You know what I mean? I mean, Billy Price went in there and they fucking they they moved Nick Gates over to left guard and Billy Price was in there because they felt that that was the best play for this offensive line. Matt Skura comes in and plays over Ben Bredesen, who they traded for. He earned that time over a player they traded for, a pick, a fourth round pick, I think. They got him in a fifth round in return. So, I mean, at a certain point, some players who are scrappy players are earning starting spots here. Matt Parrott should be better than Matt Skura and Billy Price. At, at, at this point, he, he should be. I'm sorry, I said that incorrectly. He should be good enough. He should be better than Nate Solder if these guys are better than the depth that they passed over. 100% agree. So, so yeah, I put that all on Matt Parrott. That's a player thing. I don't know what the hell his problem is, and we're not at practice. We, we have even the media doesn't have access to practice, and I don't know who's in I, charge of making this call. But I don't think it's Jason Garrett that's saying no, no, no. We need Nate Solder of Matt Parrott. That that I don't think. I I couldn't tell you the first thing if he's a gym rat or not, or if he's lazy or not, or he's just entitled or not. I mean, maybe he's. You know, maybe he's the second coming of Eric Flowers. Just has a horrible worth ethic. I don't know. Um, if it's a horrible worth ethic, maybe that should have been, you know, during the draft process, been scouted out and you sure. know, and researched before. But again, I have no idea. Not no, no, no. We don't know any of this, but there has to be a reason why. You know, unless it was just a gross, you know, misevaluation of what his current and future skill set could be. Don't know. I don't, but, I don't you know. We, we know where we are right now. I would say, looking at this, the only other issue I can say third on the third the third thing we're listing now is Jason Garrett's offense. Well, I have one more. Okay, that's fine. I'm just I'm throwing I, Garrett on there. All right, go ahead, give me another. Okay, I, I, I have to think there's something physically wrong with Kenny Galladay because there is no logical reason for the number of snaps he's getting per game, the number of targets he's getting, the number of catches he has. I, I, I know he's had a, a multitude of little naggy things and some more serious things in the offseason, the beginning of the year, but you can't tell me that, never mind just the, the physical talent that he has, and he was brought in to be your number one, just on the fact of how much money they spent, you would think that just there has to be a concentrated effort to get him on the field more because you know, from financial reasons or something. He's just not on the field enough. Uh, you know, I think there's something wrong with him. I think there's a physical... It's the same thing we thought about with Nate Solder two years ago. It's like, 
they're not saying anything, but something's not right. Why all of a sudden he went from being pretty decent to being awful right away. I think there's something going on with, with Galladay where something is bothering him physically enough that he can't get the sustained amount of reps and those reps translate into targets and catches and everything. What, what do you think? I think there's a problem with Kenny Galladay and I think it's frustration. I think it's emotional and mental, uh, whatever, whatever you want to call it, weakness or whatever. I think I think he's frustrated with this offense. I, I think he's frustrated in his role in it and I, I you can see it in his routes. I mean, he's not he's – not, when uh, um when he is not being told to run in a, in a route that is effective at all i mean like an 8 yard curl sometimes he's like not even first in the progression uh you know he's just running silly routes you can see that he is not really even trying i mean this is this is one of the things where he was one of the guys that i i looked at and i was you know pointing i was like this guy here this is a fake route i mean the, the daniel jones is instructed to not even look at this direction you can see it in the body language in the player so, so wait a minute so are you are you kind of implying then that his frustration and his attitude are reasons why he's not on the field for more snaps no i'm saying that's why he is um maybe not as effective when he is on the field. Okay, but my, my kind of question, and a lot of the concern, a lot of the things they're tying back to Garrett, a lot of the, you know, Giants Twitter, is that personnel, and like, why is he on the field more? Why, look at his snap counts. You know, he's not in enough. Well, and okay, I, 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 can, I can answer that, and, and it was something that was brought up actually in the game, is that, you know, we don't really run... We are too often running a massive substitution in between, like, every play. Um, and it's just something that a lot of teams don't do. I mean, you get, like, a six-yard gain, and then we're subbing out a million players. And, I, I mean, a lot of teams kind of run with one personnel when things are working. And uh, you, you see a lot of substitutions uh, in between things. Uh, I do think that there is some level of physicality and things that are nagging with him. I, I don't think that there's 0% what you said is true. That That I don't think at all. But I think... I think that if his heart were more into, I, I think he honestly hates the offense and his role in it, and I think that he would, he would play through a lot of stuff if he felt that it was worth it. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying I agree with that philosophy. I'm saying what I think. Hmm, that then that really concerns me because then you have Odell Beckham the third. Uh, yeah, who's never, never going to be happy? I I, I can I, mean, un- I understand that concern. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that probably should have been vetted more during the the free agent you know evaluation process. Well, I, I okay, and I agree with that. But I also think that I don't understand why they chased after this guy if this was how they wanted to use him. I, I mean, I I just don't get it. Well, that's yeah. We will have plenty of time to discuss the downfall of Dave Gettleman on a later show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, so now that we've those those are our issues, right? We we have Daniel Jones needs to execute better. The offensive line is terrible, but also because they're hurt. Jason Garrett's offensive uh, game game playing game. Oh my gosh, play calling and play design. And Kenny Galladay, it, I don't know, needs to execute better, needs to be more effective, needs to be on the field more, whatever the case may be. Those are our four things. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would predicate the one thing about the Jason Garrett a little further about how much of his play calling and scheming is a result of the other four things. Sure. I think the other four, the other four things are kind of independent of each other. 
I think his play calling is kind of a, a combination and collection of all of those things that, that factor into it. Got to got to rearrange to uh, make sure everything's plugged in. But uh, <laughs> you know the uh, the cranky tank is do a better job making sure his laptop is actually plugged in before we do a show. And so, you're on vacation. It happens. Hey, let me know if you see Jason Garrett out in Hawaii. <laughs> um, well, they are <laughs> they are doing a luau and they are uh, cooking up a big pig right now. So <laughs> it's a hog molly, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So those are our four things. Uh, let's let's try our best to put them in an agreeable order. I think at the bottom of the list, I would put Daniel Jones's execution because I think it's been sporadically off. I don't think it's been egregious. You know something, fan base. I'm gonna add, I'm gonna plead with you. Don't every time he throws a pick, all of a sudden make the decision that we have to all of a sudden use both first round draft picks to trade up to get the number one pick in the draft and we need a new quarterback, please. I want you to go through and look at all other 31 starting quarterbacks in this league and tell me if they threw a pick last Sunday, if they threw two picks last Sunday, if they overthrew somebody, if they bumbled, they do all of these things. I mean, you know, the guy went through weeks without having any sort of turnover you know, he had some bad throws. He didn't have a good game. I'll, I'll admit it. You know, I'm going to say what you want about the offensive line and all this. Now, he also did not play well. But I, I said this several weeks back that I'm done with this constant week by week evaluation. Is he our quarterback or not? Are we going to draft or not? In a bad game. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it wasn't that long ago. We were we both agreed that it was time to start looking at him as a quarterback and grade him he's our quarterback. as a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Not as a rookie or whatever. I mean, we, we, we both decided that he had played well enough and we had seen enough of him that he can be just treated as a quarterback now. Uh, and that was also, like three or four weeks ago. And if you think that, you know, as we do, the offensive line, pass rusher, you know, linebacker, all of these things are major concerns for this team, you know, that need to be addressed and they're very expensive on the open market. They need to be addressed through the draft. Quarterback is not the problem. We're going to take one of those valuable first-round picks and spend again, especially when we have a quarterback for another at least two years is relatively cheap. And just the replacement costs might be pretty expensive. So, guys, just, you know, if he has a bad game, he has a bad game. I think the evaluation period, you know, let's see how he looks with a, you know, you guys want another offensive coordinator. He's, you're going to get one. You want yeah, another head coach. You want another head coach. You're probably going to get one. You want another uh, general manager who's going to get more pieces you know, to, to work with. You're probably going to get one of those too. Then we can make those calls about him. But for right now, you know, he's the quarterback and he's doing the best he can. And, you know, that's just the way it goes for right now. Above Daniel Jones, I would put Kenny Galladay. And um, the reason why is because I think some of it is uh, obstinance on his part. Uh, that's controllable on his part. We, we, also, we also have enough weapons, too, on the outside. I'm not overly concerned about it. You know, it's been unfortunate this year that we've had uh, varying combinations of injuries where, you know, we haven't had it one time this year. I don't think we haven't had Galladay, Tony, um, Shepard, Ingram, you know, everybody, uh, uh, Barkley, you know, you name it. 
all healthy at the same time and having these weapons out there. So getting his head on right and getting his health right, if, it, if, if he's got a physical nagging thing, is important, but I'm, that's a small piece of the pot as well. At number two, I'm actually going to say Garrett. I'm going to put Garrett at number two. But I think it's a little disingenuous. We have these listed as, you know, one, two, three, four. So obviously I'm saying O-line first. Garrett is the second biggest problem. And then Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones. But the truth of the matter to me is that one and two are like right next to each other at the top. And then there's kind of a big gap. And then I think three and four are really close, way, way below that. Do you agree with everything I just said? One hundred percent. I think the actions of one and the availability of one are impacting two more than two impacting himself. I don't think. You know, again, this may be uh, a project for the off season when you're really bored. Grump is going back and looking at old. I don't know if that's even relevant anymore, but looking back at old film of the Cowboys and what they did on offense, what they did best, uh, you know, you know, they had a really good offensive line. They, they ran the ball. You know, they had weapons on the outside, but it was Jason Garrett's downfall as a head coach never was his play calling or his offense or his schemes or it was his decision making. It was, you know, bad clock management, all the things that bad coaches are bad at. He was pretty bad as a head coach. But, you know, again, for every Norb Turner, who's a great coordinator, he's, a, you know, maybe a bad head coach. We're not saying Jason Garrett's a great coordinator, but outside factors are in, or impacting his ability to do his job. I guess. Um, I just don't know how many offenses around the league require everything around them to be perfect in order to work. I mean, you go to Dallas and you have – a great offensive line. You've had a history of really good running backs there. You had between Dak Prescott and Tony Romo, nobody there is a slouch. Tony Romo might be one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks, uh, I think, since yeah, the year also, 2000, right? Yeah, but, but also, you know, for the majority of Jason Garrett's career, he had a Tony Romo in his prime. That, you know, no, no, that's he, my point. That's my point. Yeah, I mean, he also had... Uh, I'm saying everything for yeah. Garrett's success in Dallas was because... All the good things that came from Dallas's offense when he was there. I mean, they really had a really good offensive roster. That's right. I mean, well, that, 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 that's my whole point. But, too. but, but it's not. It's but, not Jason Garrett is just can't scheme or can't play call. It's. I mean, is it possible for him to scheme when his roster isn't perfect? Is my question because I think every other coordinator around the league has to overcome some level of deficiency. Okay. All right. That, that's that's a fair point. But is the Giants? The issues at offensive line, the issues that Saquon Barkley has missed a good percentage of the games that Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator. The fact that we've never, you know, we've never been really healthy, you know, on the outside. We've we've had guys off the street wide receiver last year, all these different things. So I, I don't think it's a question of not being perfect. It's being good enough. And I don't, I don't think we've ever been really good enough to him for him. Where he's constantly behind the eight ball and being de- and being defensive and offense as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, I'm, it's like it's so close. It's razor thin because, like, on the one hand, because I, I agree with you. You know, last year he he had a, a scattershot offensive line that was, I would say, better than this year's. But you had a lot less weapons on the outside, and you didn't have Barkley last year. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. number one. Not to mention the and fact also, that he, it was a COVID year, and he just came COVID. in. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And then this year, you know, he comes in and he gets these weapons, but then they're sort of not available. And then this is probably one of the worst offensive lines I've seen in, on a the Giants sh- ever, right? I mean, a is very, this a very, the- shaky, a very shaky one to start has been depleted by injury. Yeah, but I mean, but the starting offensive line has been the same guys for uh, several weeks now. So, you know, why they're there is uh, not irrelevant, but let's just put that aside they're for a moment. There. This, this, the, the 2021 offensive line, is it the worst Giants offensive line this century? I was debating with somebody on Twitter, and I apologize if I don't remember who you were, but um, they were saying the one in 2018 was worse. Um, you know, and I was like, he's like, Mike Remmers was playing, and uh, Solder, Solder was, was on the left side, right, right. And I was like, yeah, but those were starters. They may have been playing well, but they were starters. This is bad because these aren't even starters who are playing, and they're playing worse. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that Mike Remmers is good or great, but he did play in a Super Bowl not that long ago. Would he, would 2018 Remmers start on this line right now? Oh, yes. Okay, so it's not worse. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, he's not he's not the downgrade, I would say. But I'm right, trying to right. remember. I, that, 2018 is when we had Patrick Omame, but then they junked him halfway through the year. And I'm trying to remember. Solar who, wasn't bad that first year. Because remember in 2019, it was like, what's wrong with this guy? We thought, remember we were speculating we thought he was hurt mm-hmm. for a lot of the season. I mean, 2018 was fine. Yeah, I mean it was it was like average to below. I mean it was it was respectable at least. It was it was. Lapio was a center who was all right. I mean, who was not... the center? Why don't I remember? John Lapio. Oh right, right, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. I would say anymore. John Lapio is uh, well. He's probably about on par uh, with Billy Price, but he's better, I think, at run blocking than Billy Price. Mm-hmm. I don't remember so, who, who replaced Omame at right guard. Oh, that was DJ. Was that when we got DJ Fluker in the middle of the year for like a minute? I, be- I believe so. Yeah. Or was that seventeen? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, those are pretty bad, but the, I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. Those, I think this are, one is those worse. Are, those are NFL starters. We have guys playing right now. They're not NFL starters. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. Here's where I think you and I differ on Garrett. Um. I agree that he has an extra challenge that's a little unfair because this is one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen. And on top of that, you have a quarterback who is... uh, Has had one of the hardest roads to development. Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't had a shot to friggin' develop yet. So it's not like you you don't have an ace back there that's... Even Eli Manning is good enough at manipulating the pocket and moving safeties and getting rid of the ball fast. I mean, you have at least a veteran back there that has some experience. Let's do a, let's do a quick timeline of Daniel Jones' career. He's drafted six. Mm-hmm. He wasn't prepared that, that, that offseason, that rookie year, the plan was Eli Manning was going to be the starter. Right. So he did not get the full first team reps all offseason, all preseason. Correct. They decide to bench Eli after week two. They throw him into the fire, basically, in week two. So he plays the rest of that rookie year. Coach gets fired. So they bring in a second, you know, uh, they bring in a new head coach, his second offensive coordinator in two years, COVID year. Mm-hmm. You can't even be in the same building with the guy for most of the season. Um, you know, they finally they finally get the season started. You know, he's not prepared to go out there really to play, you know, trying to learn a new offense altogether. You know, Saquon Barkley, who the offense is primarily built around out for the year. Receivers hurt left and right. You're down to guys who are grocery baggers that are wide receivers. 
year three, you know, it's again, it's his, it's his worst offensive line we've seen in years. Injuries, uh, you know, all the injuries to all the skill position guys. Barkley's hurt again. And he still looks, still looks like the best he's looked was yeah, this year, they right? Fired the, and they fired the coordinators. Now they're working on his third offensive coordinator in, you know, since he started and on the fly. So, you know, they may take a lot of the, the principles and a lot of the plays, but it's going to be different. Um, and it's going to be all different again next year when we get a new, most likely, you know, um, offensive coordinator, possibly a new coach, a new general manager, and a whole new, you know, roster where guys, you know, some guys may be gone due to salary cap hits and things. So he has had the hardest road possible for development of possibly any quarterback in, in, in recent memory for any team. So here, like I was saying, so here's where I think we disagree on on Garrett a little bit here. Well, it, it, not even a little bit. It, it, this is a the thing here. So I agree, the offensive line stinks, and they have to come up with a way. And you know, I thought I saw maybe a way that the offense could do something here. I mean, you've got a weakness a little bit up the middle. You've definitely got a crappy secondary. And so I think a lot of the frustration here from Giants fans is that not just that the offense didn't look good, is that there was opportunity here and it didn't happen. And so immediately there's frustration because why didn't happen, right? So we just went through four four reasons why this offense. But, you know, you say we can't run the ball. Last night we ran the ball around 10 times total. Um, and I understand some of that is because by the fourth quarter, running the ball is useless. But Barkley ran six times for 25 yards. Booker ran three times for 15 yards. We simply didn't try to run this game. That's true. I'm going to be honest with you. And that right there, that's game plan because what did I say? Run the ball up the middle. Vita Vea is out. This is how you got to do it. You know, And I understand that Booker is hurt and Barkley is more of the shifty guy and you know whatever. But I, I said, like, forget the outside runs. That's not going to work for us here. We got to get up the middle and then try and get those linebackers to suck up on play action or something so you can hit stuff behind them. We didn't try to run the ball in this game. I'm going to say that right off the bat. Now, I did my, I did my best to chart these quickly before we did the show. Um, because, you know, I, I wasn't prepared for Jason Garrett to be fired last night, I guess. I should have been, but... Uh, so, I, I kind of ran through it. Here are traditional dropbacks. So, no no gimmicky... Th- these aren't the ones where, where Daniel Jones is rolling out to avoid pressure, or they, they're running some trick play. Okay, these are just traditional. He drops back in the pocket to throw. No scramble, whatever. First quarter, 10-yard throw for a first down. 13-yard throw for a first down. 14-yard completion for Fort Town. Uh, defensive pass interference for Slayton, first down. And then an overthrow by DJ. He missed an open guy in the end zone. So in the first quarter, the five times he dropped back traditionally in the pocket was not rushed once. And the only missed connection here was a defensive pass interference that resulted in a first down. And DJ missing an open guy in the end zone. So it looks to me like this offensive line can block a little bit here. I think maybe the over-concern here is way overblown. And, I, and I'm and i the one agreeing that this is the off, worst offensive line I've seen in a long time. I think the babying of this offense, and you know, I don't know, you know, we agreed at the beginning that I think Joe Judge is like, the offensive line sucks, show me your proposal. So I think Joe Judge A-OK'd this, so don't think that this is a 100% indictment on Garrett. But I think it's more than 50% on Garrett because this is his game plan here. This offense produced 150 throwing yards or some crap like that. That is 
bogus numbers. Okay, those are bad numbers. And what I see from the first quarter alone here is five chances for first downs right there. In the second quarter, it's it's, it's more of the same. Five-yard check down, rushed, throw away. Okay, agree. A drop by Tony that would have been a first down. That was a third that would have been a third down conversion. Ripped right out of his hands. 10-yard check down to Barkley for a first down. And by the way, check down is not a bad thing. Tom Brady utilizes check downs to perfection. So when I say check down, don't think that's a negative. And then a big gain to Slayton before the end of the half. That's kind of a throwaway play. And then he fumbled at the end anyway. It's when the third and fourth quarter come along where then I, I agree with you. You're seeing Daniel Jones start to run for his life. But by then, by then, Tampa Bay is up by so much their defense doesn't even really have to worry. I mean, go ahead, rush guys. Who cares? Pin back. That's what they. That's what they do. Um, I I think that the over babying this offense and whoever is to blame for it should have gotten axed. I don't know how much of it is Joe Judge. I don't know how much of it is Jason Garrett. But I well, think I agree. I don't want Jason Garrett back next year. Well, I, I also think the babying not even so much the you know. It applies to Daniel Jones and doing what he kind of does best. It's his legs. I disagree that that's what he does best. I think throwing downfield is what he does best. uh, I mean, I think think what makes him dangerous, I think, is that little hint that he can run the ball. Well, yeah, it's an added thing, but yeah. We've completely completely replaced, you know, any sort of like RPO or anything like that with a trick play. You know, oh, the trick plays are becoming ridiculous. Yeah, it's because you know it's it's funny that Andrew Thomas can catch a ball in the end zone, and unfortunately, it's the only you know touchdown throw that Daniel Jones had. But like, I would much rather. I think there's a much greater chance of success, you know, if Daniel Jones, you know, it's a designed rollout and he runs, or he you know it's you know he sticks the ball in the, in the belly of the the, the uh, running back, takes it out, and, and takes off for 10, 15 yards or something. I think they're so scared of him getting hurt. Hmm. And so scared of just so scared that that element of the offense is gone, and I think that's what kind of can make him unique and make this offense kind of unique. Because again, like you said, and I agree with you, that deep pass when he has time to throw could be very dangerous. Honestly. Oh yeah, I think he's. I think we that, can argue that he is the best deep ball passer in the division. I think you can make that argument. It's just. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, like we. I, it, it, but the problem is, he's he's never going to have consistently enough time to correct. have a deep pass. So I, here's here's some of the gimmicky crap that I saw in the first half here that were passing plays. You know, I, I didn't really write down the gimmicky running plays. So my bad. But um, tight end screen to Rudolph, ineffective. That actually got batted by JPP, but he lined up offsides. So the lined up offsides to me is a net zero. That's that's a push because it didn't actually affect the play in my way. Then there was a rollout play, throwaway, a five yard completion, and then a rollout throwaway on third down. Second quarter, a three yard throw to Ingram, a two yard uh, touchdown to Andrew Thomas. That's gimmicky crap. By the way, it, absurd to me that we're calling touchdown pa- things to Andrew Thomas. I, I credit to you for for exploiting whatever. Maybe you saw something on film, but w- I mean these are the plays that we're we're designing in the red zone. Our, our trick. We're not good enough to, to run a normal play in the red zone. Are you kidding me? Sorry. Why did we get Why did we get Kyle Rudolph? I, I, why did we get anybody? Why did we get? Why we spent seventy two million dollars on Kenny Galladay? Why Why did we draft Kadarius Tony? Why Why did we do any of this? Uh, our Our left tackles our best receiver. Come on, 
And then a six-yard gain that was all Kadarius Tony making moves behind the line of scrimmage and a minus one-yard screen to Barkley. Those are the gimmicky plays I saw throwing the ball in the first half. So I think there's a, a marked discrepancy here between the first half traditional dropbacks and the first half gimmicky plays that we tried to make things work. I understand that the points came on the gimmicky play here, but they, I mean, they had a there was second and goal from the two-yard line. I mean, right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the Jason Garrett firing. I'm 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 only ecstatic about it because not because of the effect it'll have on 2021, only because I know for sure now that he is not here for 2022. And I think that's fair. If you're happy that he's not here for 2022, then that's fine. If you are happy with this because you know now that the offense is going to look completely different next week, well, I've got some bad news for you because I don't think it's going to change all that much. I mean, do we want to play crystal ball every week until the season's over about talking about who will be back next year and who won't? I mean, you know. No, I, mean, I, I don't. I think, <laughs> but I mean, this is all kind of like, this seems like a band-aid before a major renovation happens, right? I mean. No, I mean, I think that, I don't think this looks like a band-aid. I think this is, it's, it's, you're knocking down a wall. You chose this wall to knock down first. I don't think it's a wall that knocks down the ceiling. I don't think it, I don't think this impacts anything really, except that you are resigned to the fact that Jason Garrett is not what you want on this team. That's it. Yeah. Not not yeah, just I, this year, and it extends next year. This is not the guy we want. Period. But I, but I mean, so so but, we we list these things, right? Uh, sorry, sorry. My overall point here was we listed these things. The O line is hurt. Jason Garrett's play designs are not are not overcoming any of the deficiencies on this team, and it's certainly not utilizing all the expenditures that we've made for this team. Kenny Galladay is not playing well enough, and Daniel Jones is not playing well enough. Which of these four things can you control? I guess you can control it, but does it make a difference? It doesn't make a difference for what? What are you trying to make a difference for? Next year or this year? Uh, both. I don't I think mean, I don't think you can make a change on any I of those mean, to truly, uh, truly fix anything this year. Uh, well, well, this year is this year is this year. I think this year is shot, but for next year, again, we're well, trying to you know. In the same token, we're trying to evaluate Daniel Jones. You know, let's give him a, a healthy offensive line. Let's give him, you know, most if not all of his weapons. Why doesn't Jason Garrett get that same benefit of the doubt? Because, well, I mean, if you're res- – that's not really – that's not necessarily my point. I'm just saying if you yeah, – if you, but I'm just saying if ownership – I'm not talking about me. If ownership is re- resigned to the fact that Jason Garrett is not cutting it, then – Go ahead. You can fire him now. I mean, it's not like we're winning anything this season. Who cares? You can't You can't fix the O-line in the middle of the season at this point, right? We're past the trade deadline. We have no right. assets to trade anyway. You can't fix Kenny Galladay in the middle of the season. You can't fix Daniel Jones in the middle of the season. All these things, these changes that you want to make to the quarterback position, the wide receiver, the offensive line, and changes doesn't mean replacing them. Right. But the, it's, what, like this, it's a change for a change. I mean, really, it's like if you're changing it, but the other three factors are so, you know, such big factors that that change is going to be insignificant and not effective at all. Then why how bother? It, but how is it not effective? I don't understand what you're saying. This is only step one of, of, of fixing the problem, right? If, if the OC is the problem, step one is firing him and step two is replacing him, right? I mean, you can well, fire him well, now. Well, that's my point is I don't know if the OC is the problem. Oh, I mean, I, I mean because, that's because you know, that's your number two thing. That, that's that would be my number two thing. Uh, I, 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 I think the other fact, the, the factors of one, three, and four are so great that it's, 
it's forcing number two to do more things than he would want to do. But uh, I just uh, went. Th- I just went through all the pass plays for the first half, and I don't know how the other three factor into them. I think. I again. I think that over. We said that before. The over concern of, you know. The, the specter of the offensive line not playing well. I mean, sure, but but then it, you know, if it, it's yeah. over concerned, who's the one who's over concerned here? Who's designing the plays to deal with the over concern? I, well, I don't again, know. That, that goes back to the, the unanswerable question: Is that coming from the mountaintop saying we need to keep this, you know, close to the to the best and play to you know, not make mistakes and not get our quarterback and killed and not that field position or anything? Or is it just you know a decision that? Jason Garrett's making. We'll never know that. Well, okay, so let's wrap up the Garrett talk. I don't know if you want to go over anything else, but we'll wrap up the Garrett talk with this question. Um, Firing Jason Garrett, does it not at all (laughs) uh, guarantee anything for Joe Judge? Right? I mean, no. I mean, he's just as likely to get fired at the end of the season, right? This is a a, a common theme today from not just Twitter, but from writers and everybody in the talking heads were – he did this to try to save his job. I think it's got nothing to do with it. No, I don't. That's not what I'm asking. I'm saying yeah. the firing of Jason Garrett does not actually stop Joe Judge from being fired at the end of the season. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And okay. the answer to that is no. That's absolutely not. Because the odds of significant improvement from the offensive coordinator piece of the problem is not going to be there. It's enough to say, oh, he's a good coach and you know, let's keep him. And I think the decision whether Joe Judge, fair or not to Joe Judge, the decision to keep Joe Judge or not is going to lie in the next GM who might just want to go in a different direction, regardless if we, you know, win our last five games or not. Then that's what I'm saying. I, You know, whether we win the last five games or not, I'm not... I don't know about... Okay, I don't think it predicates necessarily entirely on the outcome. I mean, if they win the next five games and they're scrappy, whatever, but if we see a huge change in the productivity of our players or whatever, and like I said, I'm not saying a change in the offense or the philosophy. If we just see things differently, if suddenly we're scoring points, I mean, it it does kind of appear that the problem was somewhat resolved. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to say that whether we win or not. I mean, if they, if they really, if we start putting up 30 points consistently for the end of the, the end of this year, I would say there's at least some chance that Joe Judge is back. I would say that much. But the probability of that happening is I mean, how many games have we gone without scoring thirty points? Oh, like a million. Have we have we scored yeah. thirty points on offense yet? No, it's been they had the stat yesterday in the SBN. I was too sick to even write it down. Yeah. Um, it's been so long. But so the, the odds the probability of that actually happening is extremely low. But I don't – like you said, we don't know how much of this is actually Jason Garrett's fault because of all these other factors. It is possible. Right. I mean I don't think but, it's I don't think it's astronomically low. I think it's like I a think, 10 percent chance. I, I think Joe Judge will be back. I, the only way I think he will not be back is if they bring in a new GM. If they bring in a new GM who has a completely different philosophy of how a team should be built, how mm. a team should perform, what is the overall – we want to become a team that's – you know. Offensive minded first. We want to score, score, score. You know, I don't want to be a conservative bent to a game anymore. I, like, we're going to go for on fourth down all the time. We're going to, you know, we're going to go for two all the time. They, that type of completely different mindset than what Joe Judge has now. And if they have a meeting and it's like, I don't believe in this. You know, kind of like in Moneyball, like you know, is Art Howe is like, you know, 
why are you forcing me to do this? I'll quit if I have to, you know, pay out my contract. It might be something like that. But barring, and again, this all starts at the very top. We're not talking about who the new GM is. Let's go up to the mayors. The mayors are conservative in nature. They don't like to, they don't like change. They've been, there's been a bunch of quarterback, uh, sorry, bunch of head coaching changes in the last 10 years, but they don't like to do this. I don't think the next GM, my personal opinion, what they will do, not what I want, is they're going to get someone in a similar mold of what Dave Gettleman's philosophy is. Maybe a little younger, you know, but at the end of the day, closer to the best than what you're seeing in some of the modern offenses in this league. So I think Joe Judge will survive a, a GM change. And it'll be up to him, but that'll be like a warning to him, like you, you know, you, you got to turn this thing around. But I don't think, getting back to the whole point of this, I don't think this firing has got anything to do with Joe Judge, as far as saving his job, you know, buying him time. I, I really don't think so. Yeah, I think I think I agree with everything you said. I think the only thing I'm not as sure of as you seem to be is that they're going to bring in a similar you you seem a lot more sure than I am that they're going to bring a similar GM uh, a GM with a similar philosophy to Dave Gettleman as you know that you know whatever. I and the reason I say that is because Dave Gettleman was the antithesis of Jerry Reese. You know, I mean, he was very much came in there as like, we're going to run the ball. We're going to we're going to get hog mollies in here. We're going to fix this offensive line that you let go to shit for the last 10 years. Um, And I think that there's a chance at least that they can be swayed by a GM that's like, look, man, you guys don't score points. That's what the NFL is like these days. That's why you okay. guys have been in the dwellers for a while. So I think there's at least a chance that we have a different style GM that wants and a different me, style coach. And let me be very clear. That's exactly what I want. Okay. I, I want to be a cutting-edge offense. This league, you can say all you want about ball control, ground and pound, great defense. Fine, whatever. This league is won by teams that score points. Look at the last 15 years Look at the Super Bowl winners, look at the scores of Super Bowls, look at the scores of championship games, look at the scores in the playoffs, how many points winning teams score. It comes down to scoring points, winning shootouts, and we are the furthest thing from that right now. Oh, absolutely. Got change. Got change. So, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say on this game. So the, the only other thing I really have for you, and this, this doesn't have to be a big, long thing because it's sort of a pie-in-the-sky thing, is I was watching a uh, – I don't know what it was, actually. I, I was watching a string of Talking Giants episodes because I was behind on them. Uh, by, by the way, I try not to watch any Giants creator content things before we do our episodes. So if there's anything that looks like plagiarism, it's it's organic, I, I promise. I, I'm the same. I watch, I you know, I highly recommend everybody watch everybody, listen mm-hmm. to everybody. Yeah. Um, but me, I'm the same way. I wait till we record on Monday night, this mm-hmm. is Tuesday night. And then I I take I listen to Patty I listen to Bobby and Justin I love you guys mm. we'll be tailgating with you guys this weekend at the Meadowlands again uh, but um, yeah I, I I try to keep my own thoughts pure before I you know listen to other people's takes are it, whatever I was watching was a live Q uh, and A and somebody jumped in there and said uh, what do you think about Dan Mullen coming in as OC. And I can't think of anybody better to ask and any better time to ask it than talking about conservatism and, and stuff. So uh, let, let's hear it. You, you have had 
years of experience at Dan Mullen. So go ahead. I, I, okay, now I am going to preface this little thing because he was just fired three days ago. How long have we been here? Why? When was that game? Sunday he was fired. So it's still raw, you know, the emotion with him. But I was in the camp of getting rid of of, uh, Dan Mullen beginning of this year. Um, For those of you who don't follow Florida football, you should. But if you don't, or follow the SEC as closely as I do, you're going to hear the, um, you know, the standard uh, line of he's an offensive genius. He should be an offensive coordinator in the in the NFL. It's not going to work for a few reasons. Number one, the big thing is he is extremely stubborn. He is extremely difficult to work with. You can ask coordinators that have worked with him. You can ask players that have played for him. He is not a collaborative guy. He's a very stubborn guy. It's this is the way I do things when it comes to what quarterback he's starting over the other. He, he, he favors loyalty over merit. Guys that are upperclassmen play over better guys who are younger. Guys he recruited get the advantage over guys he didn't. Things like that. Second of all, he is not – his problem is it's, it's not even so much that he's conservative. It's just he's all over the place with when he's aggressive, when he's conservative. Some games with a minute left before the half, he'll just start the seven-yard line and start pass, 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 pass. Sometimes they'll start on the 30 with 30 seconds left and two timeouts and just kneel and you know, take a knee and go to, the, to halftime. There's no consistency into what his thinking is. Um, third thing, he would be an absolute nightmare with the New York press. He got tortured by the Gainesville press because every time he lost, he became very defensive, very obnoxious, um, deflecting blame on everybody but himself. And that's the Gainesville press corps, which is, you know, not not as nearly as big as what it is for the New York media. So and I, I get it that coordinators aren't, you know, up to the media as much as the head coaches, but he He's very cringeworthy, and he would not handle a real grilling by a national media and the New York media. So I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole for this job or honestly any other job in the NFL. Um, no, out. No. Wow. Okay. I, I take your word for it. I'm not going to try and fight you on any of that. So, I mean, okay, so, you know, this was brutal. Um, this was our biggest out of out of division rival, and uh, yeah, it went yeah. it went poorly. And we are getting ready to face our my biggest in division rival. I cannot stand playing the Eagles, and we are hosting the Eagles on Sunday. So we're gonna have a preview episode. I, I don't know. Are, are you flying? Are we gonna be able to do it on our normal schedule? I think? This might be a solo episode for you because I'm actually flying. Um, Thanksgiving night mm. on that heavily traveled Maui to Gainesville route, <laughs> going through LA and Atlanta to get to Gainesville for the Florida Florida State game Sunday Saturday at noon, and then a 6 a.m. flight to get to the Meadowlands to tailgate Sunday morning. So I honestly don't know when I'm going to be available. We might figure out something, Grump. Uh, we'll be in touch. It might be an audio only show. It might be me videoing with my iPhone. We'll, we'll figure something out, but. Uh, I can't tell you guys where or when, but we'll try to do something. 
Well, rest assured that there will be a Just Giants episode previewing the upcoming matchup with the Eagles. The only way to find out when is to either subscribe to the YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. He's at the cranky fan and the podcast is zone Twitter account. That's at just giants pod. And it was, and by the way, you know, I know grump was kind of out of pocket today, but I had actually had a really good time engaging with a lot of people today, probably more than I ever have, you know, talking about, you know, the giants and, and things and lots of good conversations. You know, only one person called me a dick. Only one person, one person who has three followers said nobody listens to this podcast. So, you know, it's <laughs> true. <for him. laughs> but uh, seriously, if you, if you do like the podcast, you know, or you do like the, uh, the YouTube show, can you please give us a, a five star rating and a, a nice review? Click the like button on YouTube. Tell us that you like us. Tell us you don't hate us that much. Any, anything which we're really trying to uh, build an audience so we can do more exciting things for, for you guys. So, uh, it's been. It's, I wish we could talk under better circumstances, but uh, we're a support group. We're, we're here for each other, giant fans. <laughs> That's right. And the, the the next session is upcoming, so uh, be sure to follow us, and um, we'll see you guys next time. Go Giants! Go Giants! Go Giants.